Morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to North Haven. If uh, you don't know me, my name is Adam Sidler, senior pastor here. If we haven't had a chance to connect, I would love that opportunity following service. I'll be out in the comments. Uh, if you're joining us online, thank you for doing that. Uh, we can also connect. You can uh, click that prayer button or you can indicate in the comments that you would like to uh, have me reach out. And I'll do just that and we'll find a way to connect uh, here in the future. Well, we are in our 50-week series in which we're going through the book of Acts, and we're going to do a little bit of a sidestep here in just a moment. But before we do, a few things that I just want to uh, bring to your attention. One is yesterday we had the privilege of uh, praying over uh, a bunch of different motorcyclists uh, at uh, Newman's Bar uh, down in uh, 7th Street in North St. Paul. And we, we had the opportunity to pray over each of these motorcyclists before they went on Joey's ride. It's, a, uh, it's an annual ride, I think 14 years in the making, to uh, raise awareness and research for autism. And um, uh, we, there was a team, I think, of seven of us, uh, volunteers, that came and prayed over each of these motorcyclists. And it was just such a cool opportunity. We spent about uh, three hours with them, just interacting and talking and praying, and just a great way of us being able to recognize that God loves them and wants desperately to have a relationship with them. And to do that in a very casual way where they're at was just really cool. So thank you to those that volunteered to be a part of that and just love that we can express um, our desire to make Jesus known in this community in ways like that. Uh, the other thing is um, we are, um, make sure I got my notes here. So, uh, uh, oh, yes. Last week, we talked about how God is a big God who is in the business of doing big things. And we asked you then to let us know how we can pray in a big way expectantly. And uh, I got to tell you, it was such an honor, a privilege. We received, um, I want to say, about 70 cards uh, from uh, people who had big prayer requests, uh, recognizing, believing that God is a big God who's in the business of doing big things. And so as a staff, we committed to pray over every single one of those prayer requests. So thank you for blessing us with that. And I want to continue having that kind of posture as followers of Jesus and as a church, believing that we serve a big God who's in the business of doing big things. I also have an exciting announcement, one that I'm really uh, jazzed about. Uh, so we are beginning June 5th, so two weeks from today, we're going to be doing one at 10 on five, one at 10 on five. What does that mean? Starting June 5th for the months of June, July, and August, we're going to have one service at 10 a.m. starting on June 5th. One service at 10 a.m. starting on June 5th. There are two reasons why we're doing this. In this service, both worship styles are going to be represented. We're going to have both teams involved. We're going to have a time of worship with our classic team as well as a time of worship with our modern team. And we're going to be together. We're going to create a unity over the course of the summer. I, mean, I would imagine that there are people that come to the second service that you've never seen before. And vice versa, there are those that come to the second service that have never seen you. And so to be able to be at the, in, at the same place at the same time and worship together like that, I think it's just going to be fantastic. It's going to be exciting, and I think we're going to experience some energy from that. The other thing, too, is we want to give uh, some of our volunteers a reprieve. 
or over these last two and a half years. And this has been obviously a very challenging time. And we've had incredible volunteers who have kept the lights on, literally. They have kept this thing moving and rolling. And you know who you are, and I can't thank you enough. Every chance that I get, I try to let you know how much I appreciate all that you've done and continue to do. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people are tired. Raise your hand if you're tired. I mean, it's just a human condition right now, right? And so we want to recognize that, and we want to give some sort of reprieve for that. So starting on the 5th, we're going to have a service beginning at 10 a.m., Summer Showcase, if you've been a part of that in the past, uh, I hopefully you would consider being a part of that um, here this summer. That is our Sunday adult Sunday school class series that we're going to be doing over the course of the summer. And that's going to be at 9 a.m., 9 a.m. till 9.50. And then at 10 a.m., we'll have our service together again with both styles represented. Uh, it's just going to, I'm excited. It's going to be fantastic. I love being able to see um, uh, more people in this space, but uh, to experience being North Haven Church for a period of time. Uh, isn't that going to be kind of cool? I think that's going to be awesome. So we're, uh, we're going to venture into that. We'll um, promote the heck out of that over the next couple of weeks. One at 10 on five. One at 10 on five. Um, undoubtedly, some of you, and I will give you forgiveness now, will show up at uh, 9 o'clock or you'll show up at 1030, uh, those that go to the modern service. But you know, we'll get it figured out. we got 13 weeks to do so, right? <clears throat> All right. Well, we're going to, like I mentioned, we're going to venture into our 19th week of the book of Acts, 19 week of the book of Acts. And uh, this is a 50 week commitment that we have um, here at North Haven to, uh, to really dissect this book of the Bible that talks about who is the church and what is the church's mission. And then how should that inform us as North Haven Church as we move forward? But we're gonna do a bit of a detour here today. So forgive me because we're actually not gonna be in the book of Acts today, but there is, there is a ligament here, an important ligament. Who wrote the book of Acts? Someone say it out loud. Luke, that's right. Now, we've talked about this before. Very early on, and I've mentioned it a couple times since, the book of Acts is part two of a larger narrative, a larger story that Luke lays out. Part one is the gospel of Luke. He wrote that book as well. Makes sense, right? And part one details Jesus' ministry on earth, his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. And then there's this transition segment that happens at the end of the Gospel of Luke. And it also happens at the beginning of the book of Acts, where we see Jesus' days on earth in his resurrected body. And then his ascension into God's presence and then in the book of Acts, we're seeing now how the church and its mission begins to unfold, right? So we are currently, right now, we are a part of part two. But when we think of the book of Acts, it's important for us to consider who wrote it. Well, Luke wrote it. And being that we know that Luke wrote the book of Acts, we can also uh, experience some understanding, some uh, purpose and motivation as to then what Luke was writing in the gospel of Luke. They are connected, and it informs us as we continue through this journey in Acts. So we're going to look at a familiar passage here today. Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke 15. There are Bibles in the pews in front of you. It'll be on the screen, but you can also open up your, um, your app. Some people 
I'm one of these people who likes to kind of write notes in my Bible as I'm, you know, get little epiphanies and whatnot. So that's always a great thing to have is that, um, that tool, uh, the living word in our hands. Um, so we're going to look at Luke 15, and specifically, we're going to look at a story within Luke 15, the lost son. Now, here, this is one of those quintessential stories, one of the quintessential uh, sections in Scripture that, that um, if you aren't in the church, if you aren't so familiar with the Bible and with God, you, you probably have heard or experienced this story in some way, shape, or form. It's kind of like, you know, someone who didn't grow up in the church probably heard about David and Goliath, right? Probably knows about Moses and parting the Red Sea in Technicolor, Right? But the parable of the lost son, the parable of the lost son is one of those quintessential passages that we hear about, we've probably heard messages, countless messages about, and so we can easily brush past this passage thinking that we got it all figured out. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage and we're going to consider how this informs all that we've been leaning into over the course of this series. So we're going to read it first, and then we're going to dissect it, all right? So Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together, together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house... He heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he, he has him back safe and sound. 
The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and you and never disobeyed your orders that you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. All right. A lot of great stuff there. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, detail some of the details of this passage. Now, I have to first just apologize because I don't know how many of you are going to be seeing this on the whiteboard, but we're going to hear this out loud, so bear with me. Um, first thing first is we're going to um, mention who are the characters in this passage, all right? Who are the characters in this passage? So we're going to say this out loud. Who is a character that we read about? The Father, all right? And we're going to signify the Father by F, all right? What's another character? Which one? All right, how many, how many sons? Two? So we got, uh, we got the younger son and the older son. Y-S and O-O-S, all right? Any other characters? That's about it, right? Servants? All right, fantastic. Okay, next thing we're going to do is I want you to point out some aspects of this passage um, that jump out at you. So points in this passage that jump out at you. Things that truths or ideas, thoughts that come as we read through this and reflected on it. I want you to share with that with me out loud. You don't have to raise your hand, but yes. Oh, okay. Haven't heard that one before. No, please. I'm writing everything down. No, please. What else? Why is that significant, Bruce? You just making an observation? I did Yeah, yeah. Culturally, historically, yes. So inheritance, we're just going to use shorthand with all this. Fantastic. What else? What are some other things that we notice? Some truths? Some might... What was that? The father gave it to him. He didn't withhold it, did he? Yeah. Father gave. Fantastic. What else? From the father. Yeah, forgiveness from the Father. That's fantastic. Sarah, what? Love for both sons. Yeah, that's big, right? Older son, jealousy. As I go further down, it's, handwriting is getting worse. Sorry about that. All right, what else? What are some other things? Forgiveness, yep. 
The brother had, the older brother had a good. Okay. Older brother, older son, we'll just, yep, OS. Older son had it good. Fantastic. A few more things. Anything else? What else? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Father gave even though he knew. Yep. What else? The younger son. Yes. Younger son repentance. Younger son disaster. What's another thing? When, uh, this isn't the point of what we're talking about here today, but one of the other beautiful aspects of this, what was the father's response when he saw the younger son? What? Joy. But what did he physically do, John? Yeah. Right before that, did he sit on his porch and wait for his younger son to come to the porch? What did he do? He ran out to his son, right? That's huge. That's beautiful. There's something true that we experience about the love of God. But it's also interesting that what did the father have to do before he ran out to meet the younger son? What did he have to do? It says that the, the father, what? He saw the younger son. And we're not going to get into that. This is a whole other message, but... We have to make an effort, this repentance, be seen by the Father. Repentance is actually um, uh, defined as turning around. We have to make ourselves visible. I don't know. There's a big theological thing there. All right. This is great stuff. Great stuff. All right. So um, whenever we consider a passage in the Bible... Um, we need to uh, look at things other than the words um, on the page. So the first thing is, um, who, who is Jesus sharing this passage to? We actually, um, so parables, for instance, are uh, stories. Jesus didn't have the corner marking on parables. We all know this, Right? Parables have been around for thousands of years. Um, parables are uh, stories that point to a, um, a larger truth. Now, this parable, this story, is told to a very specific audience. So we actually see this in the first two verses of this chapter, Luke 15. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So who is the audience that Jesus is telling this parable to? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He is sharing this parable along with other parables as a direct response to their criticism. Their criticism being you're, you're, you're hanging out with a bunch of sinners Jesus' response, then, is to share with them this story that is pointing to a larger truth. So, if the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are the audience, then that should 
inform us as to who, who the subject of this, oh my goodness, the <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't even know what I just wrote. Let's try that again. I'm getting all subject of the story. So who in the story, which character based on the audience would you say then the subject of the story is? Which character? The older son. The older son is the subject of the story. And so if we're going to find out what is the truth of this passage, we need to consider what is it that we can learn then from this character. So the older son is the main character. We know this because of the audience that Jesus is, uh, is, is speaking to. And there are questions that we can, we can get from considering um, what the point of Jesus' story is. So if we understand that the subject of the story is the older son, right, the truth is found in there, then what are some things that we can glean and understand from what the older son does or doesn't do? What are some things that we can, we can grab onto? You understand what I'm saying, Colleen? Yeah, yeah. He complained. Yeah, totally. Yep. So the older son complained. Yep. The older son was comparing himself to the younger son. What else? Yes, Sharon. Self-righteous. Yeah. Um, here, uh, look at me. Look at all that I've done. Angry. He had a what? The older son had a slave mentality. Explain that. Interesting. He compared himself as the father's slave, not as his son. Slave mentality. Hmm, I love that. Interesting. Anything else? Unfair? Unfairness. Fantastic. As I have been um, contemplating this passage for actually, I would say, the, the, probably about the last six months, this, this passage in particular has been resonating with me uh, strictly because of the relationship with Luke and, and Acts, the Gospel of Luke and, and the book of Acts. Um, and what is, it that, what is the truth that Jesus is getting across here in this passage? There was a question that kept coming to my mind. And it's written between the lines. Why didn't the older son look for his brother? Why didn't the older son look for his brother? Hmm? Yeah. 
Yeah, he definitely knew that that's what his younger brother did. But did he go out? He did not go out to bring his brother home. And that was the question that kept nagging me is why? Why didn't he do that? Um, I spent the last four months praying um, at 10.02 every morning. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 2 says this, Jesus told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I've mentioned this several times to you. This is a, uh, an act that you could commit to on a daily basis. So every day at 10.02, my alarm goes off. And I was praying this prayer every day until I had an epiphany where my mindset just completely changed. And I was like, why am I praying that God would send out other people? You know what? I'm going to change this prayer. And so I've been praying now saying, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so, Lord, I ask that you would send me into the harvest field. Send me. You know, when I was in kindergarten, and the teacher would say, okay, I need a line leader for today. What, what did the kids do? What did we do when we were in, in kindergarten and, and we, we were given the opportunity to have that kind of responsibility? We would raise our hand, right? As high as we would go. we say, please, please, please pick me. That should be my attitude. That should be my attitude when it comes to this passage. The harvest is plentiful. There is so much work to be done. God, send me, please, Please send me. Please open up a door. Please uh, make it clear. Provide an opportunity for me to be a witness to the world for the sake of the resurrected Jesus. Our posture should be expectancy. It should be a desire that that would be us that God would send. The older brother should have eagerly asked his father, saying, listen, I send me. I'll go out and, and I'll, I'll, I'll connect with him and reach out to him and, and I can bring him home. I can bring him back. Instead, the older brother sat at home condemning his brother, condemning his, his choices, his lifestyle, self-righteously believing he was better instead of pursuing and bringing him home. And so that's my question for us here today is, is who is that for you? Who is that younger brother, younger sister? Who is that person in your circle, in your life, who has maybe fallen away, who has strayed away, or maybe who is just lost entirely? And God is just waiting for you, instead of saying, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, God, when you get to it, would you please send people their way? Instead of saying that, saying, send me, send me. Give me the opportunity. Open the door for me to share the good news of the resurrected Jesus and to bring then my brother, my sister home. This is a great segue. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask Don, Pastor Don, to come up. And um, when I think of Pastor Don, um, he is 
somebody who exemplifies this posture. Um, Don is not content to sit on the front porch and to just self-righteously expect or wait for people to come to, come to him. Don goes. Don goes. As a matter of fact, uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, it's my favorite passage in all of Scripture. If you have any tenderness of any compassion to make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And then it says that your attitude should be like Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and humbling himself and becoming obedient even to death on a cross. That, that word that Paul uses when it says that your attitude, your mindset should be the same, that, is, that means reflection, that your life should be a reflection of Jesus. And there are a few people in my life who truly, I feel like, have embodied that, and, and Don is, is, is definitely one of them. A couple months ago when I found out about Don's retirement, when he told me, I had to carry that burden alone, so thank you. Um, and uh, that was that was really tough pill to swallow. Why? Because you know these are going to be pretty big shoes to fill here, um, and I recognize that. But it's not just for all of you and for this community, but like Don's been really important to me. I can't imagine having done this over the last three years without you here. Yeah. And so this is bittersweet, uh, to say the least, but I wanted to um, ask Don to share um, a few words with all of you, and we'll be doing this again later today, or in the next service. And then at three th or 4.30, we're going to have an open house reception from 4.30 to 6 for Pastor Don. Everybody is welcome to come. There'll be food, uh, cookies. Obviously, he'll be there. You're going to be there, right? Yeah. I'll okay. Be all right. Sounds good. Uh, so you're all welcome to be there for that as well. But Don, uh, you want to share? Sure. About seven years ago when Pastor Darrell called me and said, hey, can you come and work alongside me the last couple of years that I'll be uh, before I retire? And I said, I'd be happy to. I thought, well, I'll come and help an old friend. Darrell and I have been friends for 40-some years at that time. So I was glad to come back. But I didn't know. Of course, I'd worked in churches before, and we have loved a lot of communities. But I was surprised. I didn't know how quickly I'd fall in love with this place and how quickly I'd fall in love with you. So I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your love for me. I'm very grateful for my time here and grateful for you especially. It's not just a job or a church to be at, but it is truly, for me, has been a community and a family. And thank you. I'm very grateful. God bless you. We, um, Brad, uh, we have um, a gift for Don and um, uh, an opportunity to continue to thank and to gift. Yeah. Like Adam, Don, uh, when you came, um, Daryl said, hey, I know this, this Mortensen guy who could come and, and uh, be an associate pastor throughout this transition period. And going to Bethel, I'd been, I'd known Sherry. So I'm like, oh, Sherry? Like, no, 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 Don Mortensen. I'm like, oh, I don't think I know Don. Um, but the, the time that you've been here and 
um, helping bridge, bridge the gap from Daryl and, and into Adam. Um, I don't know how we would have done it without you. Um, I remember spending hours in, in your office and we've been through some things during that time, trying to, trying to keep things going while we were waiting for Adam to come. Um, and, and I just uh, greatly appreciate everything that you meant to this community, to just like Adam, to, to me, myself. Um, and I just thank you and, and we'll count you as a friend forever. So uh, on behalf of North Haven and the board, we have a, a small gift for you. Yes, so thank you. I forgot to give them the certificate for their uh, dedication. Oh. <laughs> I was just about to ask for security to show you. Uh. Um, so the, as I mentioned, uh, today is, is uh, a day that we can celebrate. So um, please uh, let Don know how much you are thankful for his nearly 40 years of pastoral ministry. Um, and also, he's already wearing his retirement shirt. Um, and uh, there's cards inside the worship folder, so uh, you can jot down um, uh, thanks, remembrance, encouragement, and then you can either give those to him in person, you can give them to me, you can put them in the uh, offering box at the back, and then um, uh, we'll collect those as well and make sure that he gets those. Uh, so, and then be here at 4.30 today. And then our Congregational Life meeting, um, following afterwards at 6 p.m., it's going to be a great time together. So, God bless. We'll see you next week.